Odeon, still cliffs heads the three-year-old, 100 to go, the Taj Mahal, and Tuzan Stardom's gone out! Tuzan Stardom dropped from the sky and won the Emirates! Tuzan Stardom by a length and a half! Hello, welcome back to another episode of The Trainer's Heart. I'm Todd Blum, your host here in the Sports Lord Studios. This racing podcast brought to you by toblumbloodstock.com. And we've got a big show planned today. I just made my way up to Woodside Park on Monday, had a look at the stallions and a couple of the early foals there. I was with a couple of people that will be sending a mare to uh, Rich Enough and Cable Bay. So just coming them up, have a bit of a look at the stains. And I noticed that Written Tycoon's stable was empty, and we know that John Massara has is standing Written Tycoon up there at Arrowfield Stud in the Hunter Valley this year. So I thought... Might be a good opportunity to get someone from Woodside on the program and just have a little bit of a chat about uh, Written Tycoon, the move, what it means for the farm. So we're going to have a chat to James Price, CEO of Woodside Park, and he's a very good fella, James. He's got a wealth of experience, and I know he only looks 16. Don't let that fool you. He um, is, well, he's fast becoming uh, a very, very big player in the bloodstock world played a very big role at Inglis for over a decade and now he's heading up Woodside Park which I'm sure we'll chat about is fast becoming a very very exciting place to work with the stallion roster that they've got there written tycoon we know the feats he's done in the sales ring and on the track rich enough looks like he's got it all ahead of him he's already had a stakes winning two-year-old which is something his old man couldn't do and he was a three-year-old himself, so I'm sure the farm are very, very excited heading into the three-year-old season. And Fox Wedge is going into his second year, Tosin Stardom and Cable Bay. We're going to have a chat about as well, some very, very interesting stains. And one thing I like about Woodside Park is just the way they, they, they seem to get a lot of support from very good breeders and the way they've set their stay in syndicates up. So we'll chat about that further because it really is an interesting point, especially for those that may not be very familiar with the stud side of the industry. And we know that the trainer's hut is all-inclusive. It's not just for the racing enthusiasts. It's for the uh, people who you know have a bit of an interest and want to develop it further, or maybe they're doing that because of the show. So... For now, though, let's head to James Price and the CEO of Woodside Park, who's been good enough to join me on the line here in the trainer's hut. James, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Todd. Nice, uh, nice to be with you. Now, I was up at Woodside Park, as I said, off the top of the show earlier this week and just having a look at the stallions. And to be honest, I really liked what I saw uh, in terms of the stallion barn there and, and the farm's looking very nice, a couple of foals on the ground, but there was an empty stable there, James, with no written tycoon. Empty stable for the uh, twenty twenty season, but uh, yeah, it, uh, sorry we uh, we can't offer him standing at our uh, at our farm this year. But obviously, uh, anyone can uh, send a mare wherever they are in the country to him. Just uh, he'll be standing at Arrowfield this season. So, how did the deal come about, James? Because it was when it was announced, it, it came as a bit of a surprise. But then the more I thought about it. It had John Massara written all over it, and the impact that John Massara has had on the Australian breeding industry, where we're very well aware of, with the likes of Snitzel Roots Choice and things like that. So, how did the conversation start with Arrowfield? Look, we weren't looking to find an opportunity for him or rehome him for at any stage or rehome him for a year. Uh, John Massara approached us. He had obviously identified a, a gap in his roster for a proven stallion. 
um, obviously with Reduta Choice no longer and also not a single doubt no longer on his roster. He was really looking for a proven a proven stay and to, to complement his roster. He made a phone call and he asked a question whether it would be at all possible. So that's sort of how it began and you know, at, at first we were sort of a bit hesitant, and but, you know, we thought through it and thought through the opportunity for not only the horse to have access to the best mares, and, I mean, John Massara and Arrowfield, his shareholders, their Brimmer band is quite exceptional. It's probably the best in the country, no doubt. And so the opportunity for the horse and also the opportunity for the, for the shareholders in Written Tycoon you know, we were sort of ummed and art about what he could have stood for here in Victoria. Uh, we felt that probably 60 grand, given everything, was probably where we were going to price him. Uh, but we decided when, when we made the decision for him to move to Arrowfield for the season, uh, he stood at 70 grand. And I think our decision was justified in the fact that, I mean, he was fully booked and oversubscribed within a week of the announcement. When it sort of was announced, it seemed really left field, but it just had John Massara written all over it because obviously with uh, the current pandemic, the Japanese stay-ins left a big hole and, and reduced choice and, and not a single doubt. Um, recently also not lining up on the roster, he certainly looks uh, a ready-made replacement, doesn't he? He sure does. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, John Massara is he's one of, one of, if not the leader, uh, in our industry, and uh, he's uh, run a very successful business for a long time. So um, we uh, we at Woodside are very fortunate to sort of have joined joined sort of an alliance with um, Arrowfield and John Massara, and hopefully um, you know the opportunities that that will bring uh, beyond you know beyond this Ripon Tycoon step will uh, will be great for Woodside, but not only Woodside, also the Victorian industry. It's something we've seen Woodside do in the past, James, work with other studs. So in the early part of Zustar's career, he spent a bit of time at Woodside with the arrangement with Whitten. Is that something that at Woodside as a stud is, is looking to do a bit more of in the future, given the right opportunities? I think you have to be open to, uh, to all opportunities, yeah. I mean, we'd be delighted if we had the opportunity to stand a, you know, an emerging stallion of John Massara's um, with, um, you know, if he wanted to send him down for a season, we'd be more than happy to. It, it's strange, this uh, this New South Wales-Victorian sort of divide. I think with Tycoon standing Victoria, some, some, somehow some New South Wales breeders, he sort of seemed a bit, a bit out of reach. Oh, I couldn't send my mare down to, um, down to Victoria, but, you know, obviously, you know, being booked out in a week and, you know, mares like Black Caviar and, the, the high, high quality of mare that just sort of seemed a bit out of reach uh, because he was standing down here. It's a little bit bizarre, I mean. And but we look at all of the ship mares beyond, you know, beyond the border and up to New South Wales, and it sort of it's it doesn't really make sense. Um, this border thing. I mean, you know, you get a few Victorians who are a bit disappointed in the horse moving, but you know, we all move mares up there to get covered because we see opportunity. You know, why can't we move staying up there when we see opportunities? Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned a bit of a partnership going further with John Massaro. You're not going to tell him just to send Snitzel on the truck back with Written Tycoon, maybe stand Snitzel for next year? Uh, if John <laughs> wants to... Look, I, I, between... I'll pay for the truck. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, but 
I'll, I'll pay. Why don't we chuck done deal on the truck yeah. as well? <laughs> more than happy. More than happy. <laughs> and Woodside, obviously, uh, still going to support him support him heavily. Or And another point to that, James, is Rich Enough picked up a few handy mares that, that maybe it might be make a bit more sense to just stay in Victoria as well. Has he, has he had a bit of beef added to his book because of the move? Yeah, well, certainly if, for your first question, uh, Woodside Park is supporting Ritten Tycoon as heavily as they would have uh, if he was standing with us. So there's uh, there's no difference there. We'll, we'll just put them on a truck and send them up. And yeah, certainly rich enough. Uh, I mean, to his credit, he's got off to a tremendous start. His statistics for his first crop have actually exceeded that of Ritten Tycoons in his first crop. So, you know, all, all credit to him. He's, he's going exceptionally well. But yeah, there's no doubt. He, he, being a son of Britain Tycoon, and without his uh, without his father staring through the fence at him, uh, there's no doubt he's picked up um, picked up some very nice mares. Yeah, so we're very happy with his booking so far. And yeah, as you said, the quality um, the quality seems to uh, have risen. So whether that's due to his uh, his dad not being um, a paddock mate, or whether it's due to uh, his really good first season of two year olds, we won't know. But uh, delighted with how he's going to present. Um, Presenting his book's going to present this year. We'll talk a little bit more about Rich Enough in a moment. I just want to talk a bit about Written Tycoon's book. So Arrowfield have already said they're going to commit uh, at least 35 mares to him. Shoals, uh, Her Dam, The Broken Shore, Group 2 winner Noir, and uh, Group winner Teaspoon, amongst others. Who are some of the, the A-list mares that Woodside are going to be sending up? We've got a couple of, uh, a couple of mares that we bought in partnership with uh, Sharif Iskander, uh, and we will present those mares first folds by Ridden Tycoon uh, at sales next year, and they're some exceptional, exceptional types. They may not be as the names might not be as familiar to uh, to your listeners as yep. <laughs> Shoals and um, the Broken Shore, but some lo- beautiful mares that are throwing beautiful types. A mare called Secret Doubt, uh, they've got an exceptional. Uh, Colts, she's a city winning perform there after a group one winner in Western Australia also a stakes winner called Hell or High Water uh, her first bowl, she's a stakes winner by not a single doubt and her first bowl is exceptional that we'll present next year so uh, not quite the not quite the names of the Broken Shore and Shoals but uh, <laughs> some, uh, some lovely mares that we are, we're sending uh, across the border for sure. Yeah still quality nonetheless and just before we move on, James, to a few other stains, I just want to touch on, so this this story of Written Tycoon, it, it really is an exceptional story, and it's really the stuff that the dreams are made of, I suppose. He's approaching 18 years of age, you know, he's heading off to to Arrowfield, the, the mecca, the Hunter Valley, in, on the back of excellent sales results and racetrack results, and this all coming from a $9,000 first season fee up in Queensland. It's the it's the rags to riches story, isn't it, Todd? Uh, I mean, you, you look at rags to riches story on the track, and you think of things like takeover target, and I mean, it's what it's what keeps us all in the game. I mean, it's a great it's a great level of the sport. Anyone can have huge amount of uh, a huge amount of luck from you know a small a small investment. So I remember stories when I first joined Woodside of um, I think you could send I think you could send at one stage you could send three mares to him for that $9,000 fee. So that's $3,000 um, per mare, which is just extraordinary. So, yeah, look, he's been a fantastic horse to uh, to us, but he's also been a fantastic 
look, I'm sure there might be, uh, you know, hopefully with the likes of Rich Enough, uh, there might be uh, some more fun for uh, Woodside and also also the Victorian breeders who have supported him. I think it's interesting to note, we talk of John Massaro and his sort of legacy uh, in the industry as, as a stallion-making farm. I think we must give uh, Mark Rosorn, the principal of Woodside Park, some credit. He He's fairly new into the game. Uh, he's been around the industry for many years uh, with Peter Rosethorn, his father, setting up Woodside Park. But since since Mark has been principal of Woodside Park, he has never had a failed stallion in his control. So his first big investment was to buy Ritten Tycoon. We know that story there. Second big investment was Zoostar. Whilst we don't own Zoostar, obviously we played uh, an integral role in his success. And then we look at stallions like uh, Rich Enough, Cable Bay, Tosin Stardom and Foxwich, the four boys standing on our roster this year. So he's never had a failed horse. So we talk about this stallion-making farm. Britain Tycoon, Zoostar, now we've got Rich Enough Cable Bay, Rich Enough, you know, really good two-year-olds, showing lovely signs. Cable Bay with his just-turned-two-year-olds, chosen Stardom, and obviously Fox Wedge. We invested in Fox Wedge. Uh, he was bought by Eddie Hirsch, but... Uh, he identified Woodside as a farm standing. We bought in, we bought into Foxwedge. I mean, he's had he's had a number of stakes with us since he's been with us, and he's a real proven proven stallion here in Victoria. So, credit where credit's due. Mark Rosethorn, as principal of Woodside Park, is uh, he's certainly making making some very very good decisions. So the future is very bright for the stallions we've got on our roster. I think to your point there, James, it certainly is looking very good for Woodside. Mark Rosethorn, like you say, he's done a, a terrific job, but. Not only has he pulled the right rein with the stallions you've mentioned, but he's also got key quality people involved as well. I mean, Suman Hedge, very early days, who I remember he tweeted when it was announced Black Caviar was heading to Written Tycoon that, to your point earlier, he, he couldn't give nominations away to, to Written Tycoon. But, I mean, he's done a power of work, and we know what he's doing in the industry at the moment, yourself involved, and a key number of other people at the farm as well. There's no doubt that uh, yeah. There's no doubt good business is to put good people um, put, to put good people around you. Uh, yeah, I mean I'm very very fortunate to to be just part, a small part of the Woodside um, business. But uh, yeah, I mean I I certainly um, I'm very grateful to the very good team I have uh, underneath me across the two properties. They're highly skilled individuals, so you, it's. I mean, the old saying of, you know, have really good people around around you and, you know, they'll make you look good. <laughs> you know, you can't, no, no one can do every job. So, you know, if you've got really good people around you, they'll make you look good. So, and that, yeah, I'm very grateful to the team we have at Woodside. Absolutely. Well, we've mentioned Rich enough earlier. We've spoken a little bit about him. I want to speak a little bit more because I, I saw him on Monday and he just looks like an absolute bull, but... Before we completely move on from Written Tycoon, I had a conversation with Seamus Mills on this show a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke about Written Tycoon, how he's just on the verge of becoming that that elite, elite uh, stallion with his sons at stud. Rich Enough has started in tremendous fashion, written buyers at Widden and Capitalists, well, they were jumping out of trees for his progeny at the yearling sales. So it really looks to be 
another feather in Ritten Tycoon's cap. He, he really looks set to be a sire of size. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where the real key is for a stallion. If if you can if you can be identified, if you're a stallion that's identified as a stallion that can get sire of size, it really takes you to another level because suddenly your you know broodmare owners are breeding uh, to that horse with the um, with the aim of getting a colt that can you know hit the highlight at a yearling sale. And I think we're very dominated at the yearling sales here in Australia by, you know, these cult syndicates, your James Harrens, your China Horse Clubs, Newgates, Aquises, uh, Orbis, Phoenix. Uh, they're all looking for the next big cult. And very quickly, if you're a stallion that doesn't produce sort of top-line cults uh, or can't get a son at stud, that stallion stock very quickly have a ceiling on them. Uh, and written token certainly is not that. So... As you say, I mean he's eighteen years old, but I think you know there's a real there's a real buzz there's a real buzz around him. Too. His two year olds on the track now offer you know I, I think they're off the uh, eighty thousand dollars service fee. So the quality of mare that he's about to hit the track uh, that he served is really exciting. So you know what he what he's done he's done all by himself because he's had a modest modest amount of a modest crop of mares. But now, as he sort of starts to uh, starts to get the recognition, he's going to really hit hit the uh, hit the lights, and as you say, be a, a very top end commercial stallion. And rich enough, James. He's already had a first crop stakes winner, and there must be a bit a real buzz around the farm with him as well as they go into their three year old year, and another crop hit the tracks in the coming season. That's right. Uh, I mean, we say his figures, two year old figures. From his first crop exceeded that of Ritten Tycoon's. Ritten Tycoon wasn't good enough to get a, uh, a stakes winner in his first season, and Rich Enough has proved that he could, uh, also with more winners. I think it's interesting to note that Rich Enough himself wasn't a two-year-old, so what's exciting is his, his first race win was actually the uh, Mackenzie Stakes at Mooney Valley. Because, I mean, he's, he's quite a big brute of a horse, so he probably wasn't, you know, he wasn't pushed early by Ken. Ken Keyes, who trained him early days, so I think, and that, and that's what he, what he's shown from his stock. They, they weren't, you know, push button two year olds. They were big, strong, powerful horses, but they're not, they're not necessarily the ones that go as two year olds. So people have given them a bit of time, and like himself, a, a better three year old, spring three year old. So it is very exciting to see, see what he can do for sure. And a couple of the other stallions there. One I'm excited to talk about is Cable Bay because. A lot's made of stallion syndicates and the way they're set up, but Cable Bay is set up in a very different sort of way. Can you share us a little bit about how the syndicate works with him? So the syndicate uh, we own with Rick Jamison, Rick, Ricky Serrace of B2B Thoroughbreds, and also Jerry Ryan owns a small share, Jerry Ryan and Rick Wayne. So we own the Southern Hemisphere rights as well as Highclere own some of those rights too. So we uh, he was purchased back in the beginning of 2000. 17 uh, by the shareholders and so he was brought out first year and um, obviously very heavily supported um, by them with their best mares and uh, so yeah I mean he's a fascinating, he really is a fascinating horse I don't think it's, it's sort of an experiment that really hasn't been done if your mare's not good enough it doesn't get covered <laughs> which doesn't sit well with a few people people sort of get a bit narky well what's wrong with my mare but uh, obviously, that's the shareholders' um, decision and prerogative.
fascinating. Some of Rick Jamison's breeding record, his statistics are sort of second to none. You know, he might... Uh, his aim was always to find a stallion, breed mares to that stallion to have a, an elite runner to stakes winner or winner to stakes runner record. So, yeah, I mean, giving Cape Bay was a two-year-old and, you know, the two-year-old trials are, you know, they're going to be next month. So we're not far away from, you know, seeing if, you know, if we can actually pull this off. I think, uh, you know, the wait's over. I, I was, I mean, before I joined Wood, Woodside, I was intrigued by the Cable Bay exercise or experiment, if you like, and was really keen to live it out and see it. And now that we're there, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the mutters from the stable are certainly filtering back that, you know, everyone's very happy with them and who's got the good ones, etc. There's one in Sydney that I hear at, at Randwick, which is, uh, you know, early and, you know, Flemington and Caulfield, they've all got them, so... Anyway, I can't. Uh, hopefully, we don't have egg on our face at the end of it. Well, like we mentioned before, it's again a testament to Woodside and the people involved. For obviously, with the syndicate as well, that they've you know tried something different, and it's just not your you know your stock standard standing a stallion. It's a bit of innovation, and like you say, it's, it's going to be very exciting to see how it plays out. Yeah, look, look, us at Woodside Park are very lucky to have. Um, Friends and clients like Luke Jamison and Ricky Therese. Very fortunate that they entrust us to stand the stadium. I think it's very important. We go back to, uh, I mean, Henry Field, I, I asked him a question prior to starting Woodside and I said, Henry, what's the key to standing a stadium? And he said, James, you've got to believe in it. Uh, you have to believe in that horse and you have to follow it through. So I, I, I like to think that, you know, we're standing, every stadium we stand, we believe in. And when we believe in them, we it means they get our full support. Whether it's whether it's us backing them with our mares, or it's us talking to clients and really backing them that uh, you know this is this is the horse to send their own mare to. So I think that's a that's a real key. It's um, it's believing in the horses, believing in the stands you've got, and supporting them wholeheartedly. Yeah, well, Henry Fields definitely. Someone who knows a thing or two about uh, identifying stallions, and he listens to the show too, so uh, he'll hear that. We'll speak about Fox Wedge James. You've you've mentioned him a little earlier, so he's going into his second season. His um, first foals are about to drop on the farm, but like you say, he seems to have had a bit of a second wind, and he's really starting to get some winners on the board, isn't he? Yeah, talking of, uh, we talk with Henry, and uh, I believe the story goes that. Eddie Hirsch, who's the Victorian businessman who bought Fox Wedge, I think he sort of pestered Henry for about six months trying to buy Fox Wedge. <laughs> he had him on his had him on his radar as a horse. He wanted to invest in a stallion and had him on his radar and thought he was doing a really good job. And I think the first conversation Eddie called um, Henry and Henry said, "Oh no way, you know, get stuff sort of thing." Well, no, Henry wouldn't have said that, but uh, you know, he sort of basically said he's not for sale, but uh, you know, persistent. Persistence paid off, and sort of six months later, the deal was done. Uh, where Eddie um, Eddie purchased him, so yeah, we were, we were fortunate. I think there were a few studs in the running to stand Fox Wedge, knowing that Eddie had purchased him. But we were delighted that Eddie put his support behind Woodside, and he's only been with us since February or January last year, and he's had something like twenty two stakes winners, sorry, twenty two stakes performers in that time and he's now up to close to 50 
you know, he's in, he's sort of in the middle of his commercial career. Uh, so I think he's doing a doing a phenomenal job. Three three Group One winners um, across the world, and this year he added a Group Two juvenile colt in Luna Fox, who uh, who defeated um, Olay Kirk. After that, went on to uh, run a placing in the Group One uh, Champagne Stakes, or size Produce, sorry, yeah, and yep. also um, uh, Larimer Street, who uh, he went on to stake success. So. Luna Fox obviously returned, I think, exceptionally well at Caulfield the other week, and I think he's sort of in for um, in for a really good campaign. And let's hope he can get to a get to a Caulfield Guineas in a few weeks' time. That's the first time I'd seen Fox Wedge, and obviously being by Fastnet Rock, he's got that. You know, we know what Fastnet Rock does as a stay-in, but he's he's a really refined sort of stay-in by Fastnet, isn't he? He's not that real heavy set sort of cult. So that's another thing for breeders. They can send them you know, bigger sort of mares to him as well to access that fast net rock line without without really ending up with a big lump of a foal. Yeah, you're spot on, Todd. I mean, it's easy, when you look at it, it's easy to see why he was uh, fast net rocks uh, most expensive colt that year. He made 925000 at the Easter yearling sale. And it's, it's easy to see why, as you say, he's got, he doesn't have fast net rocks, let's say plain head. Uh, he's got a really refined quality very kind eye to him and he's medium sized he's not too big he's not too small he's got he's a he's that great color uh he's got lovely strong hocks big strong powerful walk he's correct in his legs you know he is he is a stain that's very hard to fault to be fair you know too many times you know we stand there and try and pick holes in stains but we always forget that you know they're exceptional racehorses he was a group one winner and he's got the looks so and he's by a champion stay in Fastnet Rock. So, as you say, you know, you can access access a son of Fastnet Rock, who's a champion Australian stay, and Oxledge has got an exceptional record and, you know, had 10-plus GST this year. He's, I think he's phenomenal value. He certainly looks tremendous value. And speaking of exceptional racehorses, Toast and Stardom. I've got the Toast and Stardom hat on now as we speak, recording the show in the hat, but he's a he's another stallion that's got great support by the syndicate and the farm behind him as well, James. Yeah, Tosin Sardin, look, he's got uh, he's got a, a rather large shareholder group and some of the best breeders uh, in the country. Uh, you know, Harry Perks from South Australia, Bob Peters from Western Australia, Jerry Ryan, Adam Sangster, Reefer Mustang. Uh, you know, these are the best breeders in the country who obviously saw Tosin Sardin and decided, well, Gee, I've got to have a share in that horse. You know, he's obviously by the world, one of the world's best stallions in Deep Impact, nine-time Japanese champion stallion. And I think that the key with Tosin Stardom is he raced on our tracks, on our firm tracks, beating our best horses. That win in the Emirates Stakes where Matt Hill says and Tosin Stardom drops from the sky, the turn of foot that he showed was absolutely extraordinary. And I think, I mean, you would have seen him when you saw him on the farm incredible shoulders and girth to him. He must have a massive heart. Yeah, he's, he's got that big chest, doesn't he? He's a, he's, a, he's a beautiful horse. You know, I think it's also, it's worth worth noting that Tosin Stardom, he doesn't shuffle. You know, he doesn't do a Northern Hemisphere uh, season. He's with us, he's with us for good. And I think that's, I think that's important when we're, you know, for our owners are picking stallions to cover their mare. If, if you're breeding to sell 
in the yielding sale, the commercial yielding sale ring, it's really important for that stud to support the stallion. And sometimes when we see a stallion come out, but then they, you know, they cover a season, but then they don't continue to come back, the stud's less likely to support and market that horse. So it's, it's, it's worth noting that Tosin Stardom is with us. He doesn't shuttle. He's going to be with us for his entire career. Uh, therefore, Woodside are going to continue to support him and market him. So I think I think that's real, I think that's a really important note. And finally, James, before I let you go, your role. So you're there at Woodside Park. We've had Sebastian Hutch on the show previously, and he went the other way to you from a farm to Inglis. So you've come from Inglis, where, as Sebastian said, everyone is your client, and then you go to Woodside. Obviously, you've still got a very large reach of. Of clientele, but how how have you adapted to the role of CEO at Woodside, and and are you enjoying it? Yeah, I love my role. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting the, the path that some people take. Uh, I think the biggest thing that uh, I've learned quite, I've learned you know lots of things I've learned since being at Woodside, but it's quite strange how I now see see the role of the agent at Inglis. I you know, I did a bit of Sebastian's role in that you, you go to a lot of farms and you see a lot of yearlings and try and select them and that sort of thing. Yeah. And you now now that I now that I'm on Woodside, I, I sort of we've got forty yearlings that we're gonna sell next year and to me these forty yearlings are the most important thing the most important thing in the world and you know, these are like my children and the, the old saying of don't you know you can abuse my wife but don't you dare abuse my horse. I actually have that mentality when a sales company rep comes onto the farm and looks at my horses and doesn't like one of them. I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? How dare you abuse my horse? Which is a really interesting philosophy which I I sort of didn't have. I didn't have when I was at the sales company. So that would be the that would be the biggest thing I've learned is to. Um, you know, to be very kind, and you know, if I had my time over again at, at Inglis, I would be very careful what I said about someone's horses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, James, thank you very much for being a part of the trainer's heart. Really appreciate you taking the time coming on, and wishing uh, the farm all the best with the upcoming season and the very near future. And Look forward to seeing what sort of deal Woodside come up with next year with the new exciting stallion, whether it be a new one or someone, you know, a new new partnership. Good on you, Todd. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the sh- having me on the show, and uh, yeah, let's hope uh, you know let's bring on the spring racing and the season, and let's hope that you know twenty twenty one is uh, very fruitful for all as we as we get through these challenging times. But I'm sure that we will uh, we'll all come out uh, and be smiling at the other end. Absolutely. James Price there joining me in the trainer's hut and it certainly is a very, very exciting time for Woodside Park and as I said off the top, it's just the amount of good quality breeders that are involved in these stallions and as he said during the conversation, Mark Rousson is yet to have a stallion fail. He certainly looks well placed with the current roster and it's a farm that is definitely heading in the right direction and it's sort of to the point of the Victorian industry, it really is propelling this, uh, you know, the industry up and Written Tycoon, we spoke there about how he started from those very humble beginnings. I think 13750 was his first fee at Woodside Park to go on to, you know, upwards of 110000 at his peak. It's 
certainly a feat for the farm and it's as we say it doesn't look like it's going to end anytime soon with the current roster and and what they're doing that's it for this week's edition of the trainer's hut thank you for tuning in i hope you're enjoying the program as i'm certainly enjoying putting it together and it's really good to see the response that it has been getting and the show continues to grow as well we're heading towards a thousand downloads so thank you very much to everyone who has been tuning in if you're new to the show, you can like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and it's also available on Spotify. If you follow the podcast there, and leave us a review. If you're that way inclined, let us know what you're thinking of the show. Always happy to hear from you. On Twitter, you can get in touch at TB Bloodstock is the handle there, Top Line Bloodstock on Twitter. And you can get in touch on Facebook and Instagram via the at SportThought handle, which is uh, one of the websites that we bring the show to you on, sportthought.com.au. And the show is also available at toddblumbloodstock.com as well. That's it for this week's edition. Thank you for joining us. I'm Todd Blum. I'll see you next time.